Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. He's going for gold. He's going on this track. The captain. If anyone knows me, I love 80s classic rubbish pop. Player. It's kind of interesting where he was at that point in, in, in his life. OJ. The word I've got here circled is sap. It's just savvy. And other special guests. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast for part two of our Emancipation review. Emancipation, the album, the 1996 opus. The team is back to talk about this piece of work. Toe Jam. Yo, I'm here. Player. You don't love me, you're a faker, you just want me for my acres. <laughs> and Captain. Right on. I love the effort you put into the reviews. I've got absolutely nothing else to say, but it's MC <laughs> back today. And we are at the point of going straight into disc two, the second disc of this three-disc set. And unless anyone's got anything incredible to say, we're going to go straight on into it. Track number one, Sex in the Summer. Sex in the Summer. Oh, oh, oh. Getting it on. We'll get it on. Toe Jam, what do you think about this uh, intro to this number two? Oh, I like. I really like this one. I didn't like it. Well, not that I didn't like it, but I kind of skipped it for a few years. But I, I really like it the last few years. It's just a really cool, joyous, happy, kind of relaxed kind of song. To me, the highlight is the bass line, just the synth bass. It's really sort of Larry Graham style, just sort of playing these octaves, highlighting the chord tones all the way through. And it just slightly changes all the way through. So that's a highlight to me, just listening to that bass line all the way through. It's just, it's kind of playful and fun. And I like the production again. There's the rhythm guitar, like clean rhythm guitar in the left, keys in the right, synth hooks, all just like the first album. It's, you know, it's summarizing the sound of the album again, this one, just sort of bringing it back, starting disc two. Obviously, the big thing in this one is that it's got the sample of the um, baby's heartbeat, which sounds kind of cool, but it's a bit un- unfortunate the way it turned out. I really like the bit at 2.15. There's like a wah guitar, and he's doing the shwa 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 shwa, all that kind of thing over it. That's really cool sound. I just, I just like this song. It's really happy and positive and uplifting without being over the top. It's just sort of cruisy. And I like the way there's one bit towards the end where he's like, can't you feel the new day dawning? It's, you know, it's kind of summarizing, you know, he's got this new lease on life. He's left Warner Brothers and, you know, this is the positive view of things to come. So, yeah, I like it. All right. Well, uh, you, you sound like you just, you're all over this, this, this song, Tojem. But what our lady listeners really want to know is, have you used this song in the summertime? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're asking about. Hmm. <laughs> No, can't say I have. No, no? didn't do it. For, okay, well, let's go to Player and see what what his thoughts on this are. Player. Well, apparently this song was originally titled Conception and was going to be about how a sperm feels on its way into the egg. <laughs> and Prince felt the subject was too heavy and he gave up. I mean, it makes you wonder though, like what the song was originally about. And he's just kind sounds of sounds like the script. opening to the movie of um, "Look Who's Talking" or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> does eh? The sound. You can you imagine this song playing? Yeah. <laughs> 
And I, I'm, I'm with Toe Jam. I like this song. It has a cool summer vibe about it that fits the song. I think it's similar in its style to Jam of the Year and its sound and how both those tracks open each respective disc. Yeah. That you've got Rhonda and Cat and Eric Leeds and Ricky P. It's it's catchy. It's a cool song. Ricky like, Peterson. I like the way he calls out, like, you know, Kirky Jake calls him and then he calls up Rhonda and they come along and jam on a new tune, improvise all through the night. That's, that's cool. It's just having fun. Holiday yeah. time. <laughs> that's it. All right, Captain. Oh, yeah. This is, like Jam said, it's a good, you know, summary of the disc, I think, like Jam of the Year was. Oh, and Player said it too. But, yeah, it's a pretty average track for me. There's one lyric in this song where he says, Rub me like a genie. I'm just glad he didn't take that any further lyric because I don't want to know where that would go. <laughs> but isn't it, don't you rub the genie's bottle? You don't rub the genie, though, do you? So I never got that line. Yeah. I, I guess, like, rub me like you this rub a thing. genie's this bottle. About- <laughs> yeah, but say the genie's bottle. When you're saying rubbing, rubbing the genie, I'm, I'm wondering rub what... the genie's bottle. It doesn't have the same ring. Somebody did that a few years later, I think. <laughs> the, the last minute of this is pretty cool. Um, it's got some cool little guitar things. It's one of 436 and 513s, a funky guitar thing. But, yeah, not a lot to say about this one. Moving on. Hey, my, my final thoughts on this. Um, this is a perfect way to open up this particular disc because, and I didn't know that about the alternate title player, Conception or whatever it was going to be called, but it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, must, I don't know how I missed that. But it, yeah, it it's just builds a mood and it does it very well. It's got that kind of P-Funk bass line, what I call bells and whistles galore all over the shop. And, you know, there's from the bass to the harmonies to the piano flourishes to, to all the kind of trademark 90s print sounds. You've got the heartbeat there. And, and, and although, you know, without going into too much detail, we know that that's now somewhat a sad thing to talk about. You've got the nice mid-range vocal from Prince uh, and a lot of musical call and response happening nice little bits of bluesy guitar and like i said lots of great key and piano flourishes um and and the drum programming i think is really cool all throughout this disc i don't know about the album as a whole with regards to the drum programming but a few of these songs on on disc number two including this one have some really creative drum patterns i think so yeah good way to open the second disc and with that we go to oh hang on before we do we forgot to give a shout out to ricky peterson playing that crazy keyboard solo at the end well, that's right. Yeah, I presume that's him. It just says piano, Ricky Peterson. So that's mm. uh, that crazy piano solo at the end, I assume. And that's pretty cool. Similar, nice work, Ricky. <laughs> similar a little bit to the some of the piano work in the, in the song one of disc one as well, I think. Yeah. But yeah. Um, interesting to note. So with that, let's go into track number two, One Kiss at a Time. Ooh, this is what you wanted. One Kiss at a Time. Let's start off with player for this. Ooh, uh, soul ballad, uh, the precursor to Man of War in its sound. It's not really a favourite of mine. I usually skip this, but revisiting the song for this review, I can appreciate the song structure and the way it plays out. I like the little sound effects that pop up randomly throughout the track. It's nice, but on any given day, this song will play victim to the skip button. <laughs> wow. wow. Captain. Uh, it's big falsetto ballad time. Um, okay, I've got a question about a lyric. It's at 132. Now, I've always heard it this way, and I'm sure I'm wrong, but he says, I've got to be a bonehead. 
<laughs> I have no idea what... <laughs> Every time I hear it, I just laugh. But I don't know what he's saying. That's exactly what it sounds like. I've got to be a bonehead. Uh, I, yeah, I don't I'm know what else hey. he could be saying. But uh, have you got the pre- preceding lyrics nah, manager to the one that comes after it? Because uh, I don't even know if... I've got to be up on it. <laughs> I've got to be a bonnet? What the hell does that mean? I've got mean? to be up on it. No. Yes. No way. Yes. I've got to be a bonehead. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's always going to be bonehead. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be a bonehead. Ah, oh, who knows what he's talking about. <laughs> the time will stop bit is cool near the end. Uh, oh, yeah, overall. that's good. That, that part, I like that part. He says time will stop and there's actual pause. Yeah, that that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of like it leaves you hanging there. That's really cool. Okay, here's another lyric query. Come on, get your come on. I have no idea what that is. I don't know what it means. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you've got to talk to the brothers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I can I can take a good guess at what it means, but it must be an American thing. It just... I just don't get it. Get your come no, on. Thanks in the summer for come camping on. either. No. <laughs> no. No, it's too hot. No way. But yeah. Don't know. you got to go around the block, Captain. Hilarious. Okay. But yeah, overall, it's an okay song. It just it doesn't really go anywhere, though. It's just... It's, there's not much build-up, and it just sort of whimpers out, and that's it. But it's an okay song. But it just... It doesn't really go anywhere, I think. He's a bonehead. What's he know? <laughs> we must be listening to the to a different song. I'm telling you right now, these are some of the smoothest vocals he has ever done. When I say ever, I mean ever. I'm talking about some of the smoothest vocals in this guy's career, both foreground and background vocals. Great production, just smooth from head to toe, from corner to corner this track so much better than a lot of the production on this album it's exquisite to me the lyrics are suggestive but then some of them are graphic he intertwines the music with the with the words so well and it seems like everything's arranged exactly in a way to evoke what the song is about lyrically and i think that's it's such an awesome thing so um yeah i f- i find that really um kind of stunning actually for a, for an r&b ballad it really takes it outside of just an average r&b territory for me the falsetto vocal wow it's incredible he goes for for babyface on his best day here and he kills it babyface would kill for this track this would be on all those greatest hits compilations that babyface is bringing out in the last few years it'd go straight to number one obviously it didn't but this is an r&b number one track for 1996 can't believe it didn't happen this is the untitled this is the precursor to untitled uh, by d'angelo me. you beat me <laughs> he was doing this stuff four years before voodoo ever came out i mean obviously there are differences and i'm not going to go into them now but the attitude and the atmosphere oh man it's just R&B crooner extraordinaire on this track. I love how it goes silent for the one bar when he sings it, and you guys have all talked about. And what a title. Such a good, kind of obvious title as well, but doesn't doesn't smell of any lameness at all. This is one of the key R&B tracks Prince recorded in the 90s, and off to Toe Jam. Uh, yeah, it is a really good song. I don't know if I like it quite as much as MC, but I definitely like it more than Player and Captain, I think. Man. The vocal, it is. It's D'Angelo's untitled track. And when I remember when that song got really big, I remember just thinking, yeah, it's good, but it just sounds like one kiss at a time. Um, 
to me though, it's it's the scandalous, the doomy baby, insatiable pink cashmere of nineteen ninety six. And if anything, maybe it's a little not as creative as those ones, a little bit more generic, but it, it does have some amazing moments. I like the bit after the time would stop and then he says the sky would fall and he just holds that note and there's this like arpeggio build up, just do 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 Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that's a really nice, you know, almost orchestral kind of moment. Uh, really good. The only thing I sort of get some of that little guitar, I think it's a guitar sample, it's a brow, 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 that sort of sound, just kind of gets mm. my goat a bit. But on that, it, it is a really solid R&B slow jam. All right, track number three, Soul Sanctuary. Who's a fan of this? Why don't we start with me? Uh, <laughs> because I am definitely a fan of this. I'll try not to take everyone's points if you've got the same views. I'll just say this is a very atmospheric song, which is obvious. And without going into all the details, and I'll leave it for everyone else to talk about, the two key things I think about this, again, are the vocal. He follows up Sex in the Summer with one kiss at a time with Soul Sanctuary, and the vocals are incredible. These vocals are incredible. The range that this guy has got as a a singer and as a vocal stylist is is amazing. It's astonishing to listen to, and this is just such a hallmark of this song and and lyrically that's the other thing I'll point out is this is probably one of the most sincere songs I've ever heard him write and compose and I know there's a um, there's a lyric credit on this as well but I think this is probably one of the most genuine heartfelt songs he's done in any genre any time of day what a love song there are some very distinct similarities to Michael Jackson and the way uh, Michael sang uh, some of his ballads and a little Middle Eastern vibe and um, some percussion stuff really just lovely from my end. So um, with that, we'll go straight to Toe Jam. Uh, it is a very beautiful song. I hate starting with gripes, but I guess the only thing that is just the, uh, it sounds a little bit MIDI nowadays, a bit sort of synthesized. I'd love to hit, this is the kind of track I would love to hear an actual orchestra play. It'd just be amazing, I think. Some little bits I'd like at 148, where he sings... Nothing compares to this. There's a little added additional harmony just right in the background. Just really beautiful. I really love the harp all the way through the song, but especially at 242. Uh, it's just really colorful, really colorful. This song, is just, just he's just displaying his mastery of this sort of silent, slow, brewing kind of sound. Like it's such, a, it's a really simple melody, but there's a lot going on. It's quite amazing, actually, this song. And it's kind of hidden because it's not something that you think, oh, I'll put Emancipation on to listen to Soul Sanctuary. But when it comes on, you're just like, wow, this is you know just another side that we rarely see. And it's, it's beautiful. All right, Captain. This is a weird one. <laughs> a bit was, like yourself, Captain. <laughs> maybe. Because it was written by Sandra St. Victor. Yep. And the story is she sent that and a bunch of other songs... And Prince took this, added a bit of lyrics and music and put it on Emancipation. So I just, I haven't heard the original, but I I think it's out there. But I just want to know how much is hers and how much is his. Because, you know, you you got MC saying, oh, it's his most genuine song. It might not even be his song. Yeah, it's a good point, Captain. I I wouldn't mind knowing that myself, actually. He might have added, you know, one one line of lyrics and the rest is hers. Didn't she sue him about there was something, yeah, there was something about like the credits. There was something yeah. about the credits. Her and some other guy wrote it, I think, on Emancipation Only. She got a, the credit 
but yeah, it's just it's a weird song. It's um, I do like it. It's an interesting melody. It's got interesting instrumentation. Try and say that three times. Um, but I don't have a lot to say about it. This song and a lot of the like slower sort of ballads, they're really strange melody based, which I notice when listening to this whole album all the way through. They're Pretty different, much. aren't they? Like for Prince, this is not a normal Prince ballad, so. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of unique in that respect. But yeah, all you, you listen to pretty much all the ballads. I mean, there's a really strong, trying to be really strong, interesting melodies, and this is one of them. But like you say, the lyrics are by Sandra. But uh, is the, was the music hers as well, or is it the music totally different to hers? I don't know. I want to know. Someone tell me. We would have you. <laughs> we definitely don't know. How good is the bridge where it, I think the first lyric is loving you something. You're loving you, yeah. Mm. Just, you know, it just goes, just like rolls into this beautiful bridge section. It's just really stellar. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's a weird one. Yeah, player, close this out. Yeah, Sandra and Victor, the way I interpret it, lyrics reimagined by Prince from what I understand. And the lyrics have a real nice sentiment about them. And I like the way the song builds where Prince starts the song at almost a whisper and then towards the end he really belts it out and drives it home but as a whole it's uh, it has a, like a peaceful and serene vibe to the song and that gives it like a, a for me a really calm feeling and not a sleepy feeling so i tend to listen to this when i want to wind down a bit so it's a really cool song i like it yeah I, 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 just before we go into track number four any comment by anyone at all about just his singing on here i know i met, made mention of it a couple times but i just i mean i think this is some of the greatest work he's done as a vocalist. I like the, the background vocals just really soft in the mix and they're just faint, but they're just, you know, beautiful. Hmm. All right, track number four, Email. Spelt E-M-A-L-E. Captain, take this off our hands. Email.com. Uh, <laughs> it's on, it's on, it's on. This is a cool little track. I mean, it could easily, I think, be dismissed as a novelty track because you know, ninety six, ninety seven, the internet was just it was just starting to happen. And what's this email thing? You can send mail, but it's it's a it's a pretty catchy. It gets stuck in the chorus, gets stuck in my brain after I've listened to it. But then you, uh, you listen to it, and musically, there's ha- there's not much happening at all except there's some bit of crazy synth stuff going on. It's a, just a cool little track. There's not much happening, but the chorus is catchy. It's, it's got the hook. It makes me listen to it. But what's the thing about The King Takes a Pawn? I don't understand that. Ah, you got to listen to the lyrics a bit more, bro. That's all I hear. That's <laughs> the only word. All I hear is that www.email.com and then King Takes a Pawn. It's on, it's on. That's all I can hear. The rest of it, I don't know any other lyrics. All right, well, player, you're next, so why don't you lay it on the line? <laughs> yeah, well, email is laid-back funk. I really like the groove of this thing. But the lyrics are pretty dark concerning the online predator in the story. Ooh. The title of the song spelled E-M-A-L-E doesn't do it any favours, but if you pay attention to the lyrics, it kind of makes sense as to why you chose to title it that way. But yeah, it's all about... It's all built around the bass line, and you've got that high-pitched dog whistle on top of that. It's a good grooving song. Cool, cool. Toe Jam. Yeah, this is a bit of a guilty pleasure, this song, because the, the lyric, you know, www, is, just seems a bit dated now. Who uses www anymore? Come on. <laughs> yeah. But I like how when he says www, and then he says dot, and then there's like a rim shot. Yeah. Like, like, he's, ty- like he's actually like typing the address. <laughs> you hear the www yeah, okay. dot. 
and then you hear this click like he's he's typing the dot. It's cool. It's oh, cool. I never heard that. <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to it. Like cool. as soon as he says dot, you hear like a rim, like a, it sounds like a rim shot on a on a drum kit. Maybe it's a keystroke, like you said. Yeah, like a but yeah, it comes across as like a keystroke. It's it's cool. Hmm. Yeah, it's got the high pitched synth hook, which is. A theme, again, this one's a really high-pitched one, isn't it? Sort of dog yeah. whistle sort of thing. Yeah. I love the horns in this. They're just really dead. They're just, no, there's like no treble in it. There's no reverb. Yeah, that's right. Dead horns, which, you know, kind of suits the, the sort of dark nature of the song as well. There's some really interesting harmonies. Just the chords, it's just sort of this minory thing, and it's really interesting to listen to. Again, the lyrics are a little bit dated, but, you know, I can forgive it because it's, it's just an interesting kind of song. The, the bass line, it's such a unique kind of bass line. Just sort of a bit strange, but really interesting. Yeah, I'll leave it there, I think. It's a good little song. One of the ones that you don't expect to enjoy, but when you when you hear it, you, I, I often really enjoy it. Yeah, I think this is cool. It, it kind of doesn't really go anywhere, but it's, but it's a cool groove. I don't know what time signature this is. Probably fairly standard, but it doesn't sound like it. The beats sound a little bit off kilter to me. Maybe it's the way I hear it. It's a strange kind of rhythm. And maybe it's the, the difference between the snare and the bass and then the yeah, high-pitched stuff in the background kind of sounds like black sweat half the time. Yeah, it is 4-4, but yeah, that bass line kind yeah, of... Yeah, the bass line chucks, chucks it off. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's obviously, like what you guys are saying, fairly standard, but then when you listen to it, it's got that stop-start quality yeah. or effect. It's a bit it's a bit odd. But yeah, so his, um, the unison of his, his vocals with the keys and the synth and the horns... I reckon that's brilliant, just the way he does that. He does that so often in the in his 90s work, and it's just really nice. And the horns in the verses that Tojem was talking about, like they sound real and just natural without any, any effect, which is cool. But then he's got his own jazzed-up vocal stuff happening on the top of that. I actually am surprised no one mentioned this because... Not that this is a, an incredible part of this song, but that strange tap dance drum pattern stuff happening for a little mm. bit. To me, that's a, it's a little bit kind of... Um, he uses elements of that again on Musicology and on other songs between 96 and 04, but that was kind of interesting. I just find that a lot of these songs on on this disc and, and on, on this collection of you know, this three CD set, he's doing things that he, that he hasn't... Or he's putting elements into his songs and putting sounds into his songs that he hasn't done before, which which I think is a good mark of someone in a creative frame of mind. So, yeah, nothing nothing amazing. The only bit of trivia I'll add to this, ages ago I heard this song was supposedly in its embryonic stage. It started out as a, pretty much a jam session between Prince and the NPG, and supposedly Michelle, uh, I can never pronounce it correctly, Endegeo Cello. Endegeo Cello was involved as well somewhere in New York or maybe in Paisley Park. So I, I always wanted to find out if anyone knew any more about that. I just find that interesting. But maybe she was just there kind of jamming on the bass. And if she was, it gives a bit more of a clue as to where the bass line came from because it sounds like something something strange and wacky that she'd come up with. But anyway, I guess we'll never know. And with that, Curiosity, let's go straight into track number five, Curious Child. Curious Child, you are on my mind. Player. Hmm. This song has 
for me, like a medieval tone about it. I don't know if that's right or not, but oh, yeah. That's usually... the exact same word that I was going to say. Me medieval. too. <laughs> <laughs> I heard medieval because I didn't know how else to describe it. It's probably got something to do with scales, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's Harlequin or medieval. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but I usually skip this track because it doesn't really do anything for me. It's short and it's an interesting idea, but it's not memorable enough to hold my interest. So I usually skip it. But it is different for Prince. I'll give him that. That's it. That's it. Uh, Toe Jam? I really like this one. This is just as good as Soul Sanctuary, I think. Very interesting lyric. You know, he's talking about this curious child. Obviously, you know, he's had a bit of a fling and this child's been produced and it's sort of, you know, it's very parade. I can imagine this on parade, sort of similar orchestral sounds all the way through. Yeah. Uh, 6-8 time signature. So that's probably the medieval thing coming through. And I love the way it, at, from 154 to the end, it, you know, this piano comes in. It's just very majestic and uplifting despite the sort of potentially sad nature of the song. Clean guitars all the way through, really beautiful. And just, yeah, again, just really beautiful and, and measured. And it's a very curious kind of song. <laughs> and again, very different for Prince. Like, you know, he, he, I don't think he's ever done anything quite like this in Soul Sanctuary before. Just the sort of, you know, the orchestral kind of nature to it. Very heavily arranged. And it's obviously done by Prince, not so much by Claire Fisher. So Cool. I, I agree with you. I think this is a great song. Um, everything about it is great. It is, in my mind, just masterful. The medieval chord progressions and the great atmosphere that he creates and the very poetic, curious lyrics uh, are very nice. The arrangement and the composition is fully formed and flawless, I think, and um, it's it's pointed. It's very pointed and it's you know he comes in with a purpose and he constructs, I think, one of the most beautiful songs on this album. And to me, again, his vocals, I can't say this enough, the vocals on this song, again, are incredible. Just sonic gold to me. All over the place. He's singing better than ever and so impassioned as well. And there's that beautiful piano that he's playing and the little guitar embellishments. This is a great song, but very, very left of centre as far as Prince... What I'm trying to say is what he's known for, this is very different to. This is very different to the you know the, the name he's made for himself, but good on him for branching out. And this is the stuff that as a fan, especially at this point in being a fan of his work, I'd love to see more of this type of stuff. Really tight arrangements, but very kind of, um, very accomplished, very accomplished arranging here. So this is, this is a brilliant yeah. track. Captain. Oh, this one. Um, this is another one. It's a really... It's really melody, the main melody. That's what the whole song's based on. And there's, uh, this is just another one, and there's a, there's a lot of them. But you said, you know, it's a good vocal performance, a great vocal performance, but pretty much every ballad on this album is a great vocal performance. Uh, Which is incredible in <laughs> itself, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, We can keep saying, you know, this song's got a great vocal performance, and so does the next one, and so does the next one. But it's got its medieval-sounding sounds with, like, you get your harpsichord-sounding thing, and it's pretty short. It's, it's less than three minutes, but it's not the shortest on this disc. At least it wasn't padded to, you know, six and a half minutes, just for fun. <laughs> um, I don't know what the lyrics are about. I didn't hear them. I, the only lyric I remember from this is Curious Child on the Balcony. I'm like, he's going to fall off. What's happening? Don't know why he's on the balcony. That's all. all right. but, uh, I think, yeah, the orchestral, even though it's obviously done on, you know, synthesizers and MIDI stuff, like just the arrangement is just, you know, quite amazing. And this is obviously like, you know, he went through his sort of dirty funk phase and then he went through his sort of jazzy phase in the early 2000s. And, you know, this, to me, this and Kama Sutra and, and this disc, disc two is really, this is 
the closest he got to like you know classical music in terms of the sounds and the arrangements and the you know really precise ideas i think so it's it's great i'm thinking i'd love to make a little compilation disc of all these sort of classical little songs this and a few things from kama sutra and a few other things would be great i I I actually agree with you there (laughs) i just hope the curious child doesn't fall off the balcony but there are so many interesting things in, in under three minutes. That's the only other thing I'll, I'll close off with. And the, that one, my favorite part in this song is where he just, there's this little bit where it descends, the, the notes it descends. Well, not quite like that, but <laughs> more like, um, yeah, something like that. And yeah, and it answers, the guitar answers the orchestra the, or vice the versa. Harps, yeah. yeah, I think the harpsichord at that point or something. So, yeah, very, very, like I said, very accomplished arranging and playing and Tojem said deliberate uh, composing. So very good stuff. And then from Curious Child, we go into something very different. Track number six, Dreaming About You. When I'm Captain. Yay. How many times has Toe Jam said, this is the dream song? <laughs> That's my first this, note on this one too. Is that, what this, that, is that what that comment is always based on? It's based on this song? Because this is called the dream song. <laughs> but, but, um, I like this. It's got, you got your triangle in the left speaker. You've got the like, maracas going in the right. It's, it's good stuff. It's a really moody, atmospheric thing you got, with the guitar and the synth sounds he uses. And then you got the the horn comes in. Sounds like Eric Leeds to me. Yep. Yep. Yay. That sounds great. Just the, the sound. The sound of that horn. That just sounds so good. It's Clear, just got isn't it? it's got just the right amount of reverb on it. It just sounds good. It's got it's got that glossy Kenny G production on it. <laughs> no? <laughs> I like a few times in this song, everything stops and then there's just this little harmonic thing just sitting there. There's one at thirty four seconds. There's one at 205, and there's one at 235. And then, and then the song ends on one at 346. And it's just nice. And of course, you've got the bass solo, fretless bass. It's a good solo. Then you've got the horn back. Then you've got the vibraphone comes. It's just a nice song. It's good. I like it. <laughs> the triangle in the left speaker. Oh, it's good. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no? Player, why don't you take it over? Uh, for me, it's the same as Curious Child. It, it segues into this track. It, it flows from that track into this track. And for me, it's not memorable enough to hold my interest besides the fretless bass solo towards the end from Ronda. The lyrics are quite deep, but that triangle sound is way too loud in the mix. I don't, I'm, like, I'm not hating on the triangle, but it's just too loud. It's always ringing in my left ear when this song comes on when I've got it on headphones. <laughs> so Usually, again, it gets the skip treatment just oh. because the triangle is way too loud. Are you such a square? <laughs> I'm a triangle, actually. <laughs> Toe Jam, do you skip this track or do you go right on into it? No, this is my favorite song on this disc. Wow. I, I want to hear the love for the it's triangle. It's the dream song. Toe Jam's dream, dream song. song. <laughs> you know. This is it. No one else could come up with this song except Prince, I think. It's, and it's, what's so cool about it is it's basically a blues. It's a blues. It's a, a minor blues. And it's disguised in this huge atmosphere thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you got the picked guitar just sort of twanging away all the way through it lightly, and then, and I love the way he just talks the verse. Like, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to what he's saying, but I love the way it's just this real dark, deep voice talking the verse. And then when the chorus comes in, he just, he, it's almost like he cries it, you know. And that line that Eric leads in the vibraphone line just holds this long note and then just, just sort of falls off it. It's just beautiful. 
It's Dreams actually, are... when you think about that line, it's really something that would have been on Madhouse. Yeah. It's a really Eric line. Yeah, and it just fits. It's do, 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 do. Uh, and these strings, just these really dark, thick strings in the background, just add so much atmosphere to it, I think. Uh, and then to top it all off, you've got this awesome fretless bass solo right at the end. I just find the whole song really emotional. It, it, it speaks to me, as they say. Um, but again, like it's just the atmosphere of the song. I, I can't imagine anyone coming up with this kind of feeling, except for Prince. Sometimes he just pulls these things out of nowhere. So it's really an amazing song. It's good having a bass solo. There's not enough bass solos on, on albums. Yeah. It's it's hypnotic. I just find it really hypnotic. And I like the loud triangle. I like the loud triangle because <laughs> wow. it's almost like a, it's almost like, I don't know, kind of like some Indian mystique thing where it's like this sort of mantra kind of thing. This triangle that just is always, always present kind of thing. Ding. Dinner's ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it's digital because it, it really cuts off so abruptly every time. But it, 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 it works. I like it. I think this is the best song on the on this this disc anyway. So. Hmm. That's a big that's a big call. Yeah, but like we'll, we'll let you have it. <laughs> Great harmonies on this track. Atmosphere, textures galore. You got that percussion happening as well that everyone's talking about. Beautiful fretless bass solo by Miss Smith, and some nice jazz guitar work as well. But this is like a um, it's masquerading as as something very eerie and and um, atmospheric and dreamlike. But it, again, it doesn't really go anywhere. Kind of like email. I really like the sonic adventure, adventure-like qualities that this song has, but it doesn't really speak to me. So maybe, uh, maybe I've got to give it an, f- another few spins. That takes us straight into track number seven on disc two, and it's joint to joint. <laughs> Captain. Take a while. This could take a while, Captain. This, this will take a while. I've it will? Probably, really? I've, I've probably what are you talking got, about? It will take a while, yeah. Jeez. I've probably got the most notes on this than any other song on this disc. I'll okay. beat you to it. <laughs> okay, here we go. This, this song is epic. I think it's the longest track on the album out of all three discs. It's a very cool idea, and he pulls it off. This song goes from joint to joint, and it, it, it's really cool. The one annoying thing is that woman saying, Sex me! That's annoying. <laughs> but you get over that. You get over that. There's some, there's some really, just between one and two minutes, there's some really cool bass going on and some keyboard stuff yeah. in the background. It's really cool. It's doing some just totally weird stuff. It's like anti-Christian. It's, it's just far out, but it's buried. You listen to it and you're like, what the, what the H is happening here? There's this really funny part just somewhere after that, and he's like, come upstairs to my room. And you can tell he was like sitting in the mixing booth, and he just sang it. It wasn't like meant to be recorded properly for the song, because you can tell it's, he's, he's away from the mic. Yeah. But it just sounds really funny, and he's like, yeah, I'll leave that in. And I really like that bit. <laughs> it's really cool. It's like he just kept it in there. Just chuck it on. Why not? So you got, yeah, joint to joint. You got the first big change, 203. Then you got you got this massive big riff. It's great. I could do without the the female rap, but you know it's in there. So what do you do? Then three ten tap solo. <laughs> what the H? What the H? That's what it is. <laughs> you, you get over that, and then you got the second big change comes four oh three. Goes a bit scary with all the the bass and the vocals. Sounds like Halloween or something. Then five twenty two. I love it. You've got this huge guitar. It just kills everything. It's great. <laughs> 
Then you've got the, the classic lines about Captain Crunch and... Yeah, Captain. Uh, I'll leave that for player. He'll say all that. Um, <laughs> then you've got the, like, the big bass off. That's just great. It's funky. The thing I don't get about this song is this thing with the taxi at the end. Yeah. He like what gets in that? a taxi and then is he does his... a taxi or a limo? It's probably a limo. Well, he, he flagged it, so I'm guessing you don't flag limos off the street. It's Lady Cab Driver Part 2. That's what it is. <laughs> it is. But, and then, I mean, what does his little speech have to do with the song at all? Not that I've listened to the lyrics in the song, but those two just don't seem to go together for me. I think it's sort of leading into Holy River because it's that little ending bit sort of talking about how his, you know, his relationships aren't going as well as he would have liked and it seems a bit superficial and then that sort of segues into mm-hmm. Holy River. I think that's why it's there. Yeah, because it doesn't link with joint to joint at all for me. But, oh, yeah, I've said enough. Someone else go. But also, too, on that phone call, that phone call part, I think he says something like, I don't know, just drive. But it sounds like he's talking to the person in the phone, not to the person that's driving. Hmm. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, I don't know who he's talking to, either the person on the phone or and then, like, what the conversation's about. It's just, like, really, really strange. Well, the the driver is Hans Martin Buff, the guy who mastered the record. So I find that pretty... <laughs> Pretty hilarious. <laughs> where, where to? Is that what he says? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how you get the guy who's mastering or mixing your record or whatever. To do. But yeah, I'm, I'm done. Someone else go. Player, you started talking about a few things. Okay, when I first heard Joint to Joint, there was something strangely familiar about the song to me. And what? it has to do with the rap by 99 that Captain hates. Who is 99, by the way? She's a rapper. She's a poet. <laughs> She was, and she was signed to Paisley Park Records in the early 90s, and she was supposed to get her own spin-off CD, and I think the feud with Warner Brothers, it never happened. So she was, like, hanging around Paisley Park for ages, and she recorded songs, but the project never came out, and so her only appearance was on this, this CD. Well, no, there's little snippets of her turned up, like, I think on the Come album, even. Yeah. Yeah. Just bits and pieces, just, like, lines, single lines and stuff she turned up here. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like she's she was around for like the early nineties, yeah. but yeah, I think it was the Warner's feud that that stopped her coming out. But the rap in this song wasn't the first time she has spat this rhyme to wax. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Mm, you guys might be familiar with the Canadian hip hop group called the Dream Warriors. Yes, no, they had a hit in the early nineties with a track called "Wash Your Face in My Sink." <laughs> you heard it? Never heard it. Never. They even reference it um, when Dubs cry in the song, incidentally. Mm-hmm. So, well, they had tracks on their 1994 follow-up album, which was called Subliminal Simulation, and that album, parts of it were recorded at Paisley Park Studios, and 99 guest stars on that album. Hmm. And on track oh. 10 of that album, there's a two-minute interlude called Burns Part 1, which is the same rap as the one here on Joint to Joint. And it's a little bit faster and it goes longer, but there's there's more to it. But it's the same message, essentially, which is, you know, regarding safe sex and stuff. So it fits here on this track. I never suck sour squints from a chew stick. Don't lick bits because fire sticks to flame. Get wicks to catch brothers who choose to let birds remain. Now I see all dicks, toms, and harrys are not the same. Some dipped in lower lips sip the supple poison. Wrist toxins just to get their rocks in. Or knock their rocks off. Can't survive alien tank now. Doctor says cough. Teaming with the enemy, forgetting the me, she, we. Align with the savor, the flavor of a sexual foe. Then slowly watch it grow to OBGYN I go. Heave, ho, and toe medication. My love for you remains along with dedication. Bad sensations hasten when you avoid and you diss me. Convinced I'm to carry a new excuse not to sex me. Eyes to draw his head. 
but this is why I love doing this kind of thing because like I never knew that before any of that so that's awesome <laughs> so yeah on here it's just a lot slower and it's a couple of years old from when it first came out so it first came out in like 94 and here it's in 96 so apart from that it's a sexy groove the cool keyboard sound from the lead line the tap dancing is a cool percussive element but tap dancing is more of a visual medium for me that doesn't come across effectively on a record but I like it except the middle part when the whip sound effects come in and the song changes and it takes this bizarre turn it gets a lot darker and sounds like a totally different song I don't think he needed to take it down that road but he redeems himself when he puts the groove back on track with the um, oh great now you're thinking my soulmate speech but then it um it soon ends after that and goes into another weird interlude on the car phones thing. So I don't know what the hell he's babbling about, but it just sounds like filler to max out the album to the 60-minute mark. And, and I don't think it needed it, but overall it's a good song. I like it. All right, I'll take it. This is just an insane kind of song. I think it's the crystal ball of the 90s. It's no Ooh. India in the league of that quality. But just in terms of, you know, it's this big epic song that goes in so many different directions and it's really just out of, you know, some minis- some strange place in his brain, again, that no one else could find probably. Uh, so it's just a really interesting song. The only thing with this one, as, a, as opposed to Crystal Ball, is I think this one, the sum of this one is probably not as, uh, what's, what's the phrase I'm thinking of? The toll is greater than parts. the sum of its parts. I think it's the opposite for this one. Um, <laughs> The sum of this one is is actually less than the actual interesting bits in it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because there's so many cool things in it, but as a whole song, it's just it is kind of a bit over the over the place and doesn't. Yeah, not that it doesn't go anywhere, but it's just where it goes. It's just kind of oh, okay, so he's going there now. It doesn't mm-hmm. often feel always that smooth. I think my favorite part is the first two minutes. That's to me, that's the best part of the song. Then all the changes are interesting, but it's kind of like, oh, I wish I had a, he w- would have explored yeah. more of that first section that Captain was talking about with all those spacey keyboards in the background. That's the highlight. That's right. Yeah. You know, what can I say? There's amazing guitar bits in it. There's amazing bass bits in it. There's interesting bits about cereal and there's raps <laughs> and there's river dance and like river, river dance. dance. <laughs> <laughs> this one, an email. That's you know, the next song. You know, it's got this sort of river dance tap thing going on, and that was really popular this this era. And so really? It, yeah. Oh, the river dance was, well, sorry. Started to take off, and so I can kind of see him putting it in there. I've just got to say, Mike Oldfield had a tap solo on his 1990 album Amarok, so he beat <laughs> Prince just copied him, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> the whole the bit in the middle with the, the snare whip, it's just kind of, oh, where's this? No, it's, yeah. it's, it's just a bit strange, as they say. But yeah, it is. I think it's the Crystal Ball of the 90s. Not as good as Crystal Ball, but a very, very interesting, very thick, very big, epic piece. And I think he's tried to make wait. this sort of a, you know, he's put it right in the middle of this disc. So essentially it's right in the middle of the whole album. It's kind of the centerpiece of the whole thing, if you, if you, if you will. Um, but it, perhaps it doesn't quite live up to the expectation of the, all its sounds. But, you know, it's an amazing song. Hmm. Yeah, joint to joint. Uh, this is a crazy cocktail of modern R&B slash a lot of futuristic sounds going on. I just have to preempt my quick review of this by saying that I don't, I don't like this song, really. Like, I don't... When I look at the back cover of the album or when I think about Emancipation, this doesn't seem to come... It doesn't come to mind. I don't really um, look forward to hearing it. But I agree with everyone about this is the kind of song that where a lot happens and I just struggle with it. Maybe... Um, Maybe there's there's some some measure to the madness, but it's cool it's in parts. 
Yeah, it's too much. It's way too much. It's like it's overwhelming. Um, it's like when I listen to a fair bit of Frank Zappa's work, and often I find that with some of Frank Zappa's material, for example, it just becomes a hodgepodge too much. Like, really laying it on thick and just doing things for the sake of doing them. A lot of brash experimentation and just a bit all over the map. And I I find that joint to joint, there's really nothing great about it in a... Holistic sense. Yeah, in a holistic sense and in a a very basic way. Um, There's nothing particularly exciting about it to me. You know, obviously there's a lot going on. And is it a creative song? Yes. But is it something that I like to listen to? Not really. I mean... The electronic bass pattern programming, for me, the bass pattern programming is the highlight of the song. I think that's the best. It just completely freaks out this track at about the two-minute mark, which is which is great. But then, I don't know, the, the river dance that Tojem mentioned, um, <laughs> the tap dancing feet return as percussion, or is it, I always thought it was like Cossacks slapping their thighs with a... DJ scratching in the background. It's just the most <laughs> random, just the most random, obscure, obtuse sounding thing you could put in a song, but he does it. Mike Oldfield ripoff. Electric, yeah, Amarok Redux. Uh, it's, yeah. it's got this electronic industrial sound from about four minutes on and the George Clinton inspired electronic madness. Just freaky ass sounds happening here. The whammy, Captain, the whammy comes in from about five minutes, 20. And that is awesome. That, yeah. That's that's cool. Like it's got all this cool stuff, but it doesn't bring it together. So yeah, I mean, this is all, all over the shop. That's all I've got to say that's, about that's, it. That's one use of whammy. I don't mind. <laughs> it had its place. So yeah, I'll, I'll finish on that. And after that, again, changing gears into something completely different. Track number eight, the Holy River. The big single. So, the, yeah, the single release, The Holy River, Toe Jam. Oh, this is a, an interesting one. Sometimes <laughs> I really like this song, and sometimes I really don't. <laughs> I, it's just strange, but I, I like the first two minutes 50, and I like the big solo, synth solo at the end. It's very sort of gold and dolphin sort of sounding. And I like at 4.47 where he, the music just stops and he's, he's almost crying this lyric, let's go down to the hole. And, you, you know, you feel for him, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's choked up. It's got some purple rainish sort of sounding chords, like these suspended major chords and sort of fairly routine progression, this sort of descending progression that a lot of pop songs have used before. I find even though it's obviously a bit on the religious side, I can kind of relate to the lyrics a bit, like, you know, when everyone has these moments where you're thinking, oh, what's going on? And But then, you know, to answer it, oh, it all comes back to Jesus. I'm kind of, it kind of loses me a bit there. Yeah, so I, sometimes I listen to it and I really like it. I think it's an amazing song. And other times I listen to it and I just think it's a turd. So I can never make up my mind on this one. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave it there. It's, it's, on its day, it's a really good song. I'll, I, that's the best way to say it, I think. Okay. Player, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I like this song because it's really different from Prince. There's no real chorus as such. The the lyrics read like a story. I've seen comparisons to early Bruce Springsteen songs like The River. Another is Anastasia, but I think Anastasia is superior and completely different in its message apart from the spiritual awakening in both songs. However, it starts off really acoustic and folky and it builds and drives to the guitar solo towards the end. And it has all the biblical references and analogies that 
Prince songs have used before in songs like The Ladder and The Cross. And it's a pretty deep song about realization and salvation. And it's a good addition to Prince's catalogue. And he must think something of it too to select it as a single and release a video for it. So I think it is an interesting song. It's not like one of my all time favorites, but it is different for Prince. All right. Capson. Mm, big single. Um, <laughs> first impression is. For me, it's a bit Sesame Street at the start. It's really la-li-la. Uh, sing-alongs. But I like it. Yeah, but I like it because it, it's one of those songs. seems to be, sounds like a happy song, but what he's singing about, you know, might not be that happy. Mm. But it's a, it's a good vocal performance. Backing vocals are nice. Well, I like it. It kicks off at like 2.49 with the drums. And there's one lyric. Yes, I listen to some lyrics. There's one lyric in this I really like, and I always listen to it. I always like it when I hear it. It's uh, in one section. It says, looking back, I don't miss nothing except the time. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, is, there's, you know, there's a painting on the wall. with. Actually, that line, the way he sings that line, the way he delivers it is really cool too. Yeah, like, I like all of those sort of messages he's putting through. I like, I like um, the lyric where he's talking about hitting the fist on the wall or something, and it, in the background is the sound effect from the song 7. He yeah. Reuses it. Yeah, that's cool. That big smash, yeah. Guitar solo time, that's great. That rocks. Um, anytime he goes for a top fret, he's got my attention. I'll always listen to that. Then you've got this weird bit. There's this weird bit at 622. Yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> but the best part of this song lasts all of three seconds from 633 to 636. What happens there? Does anyone know that bit? Is that the little sort That's of rock the, out bit at the end? And yeah, for three seconds. Wow. Wow. That bit? No. <laughs> just before, or just after that, yeah. Just after, just, I think it's just after that weird bit. And then the drums go again, just for a little bit, yeah, and yeah. the guitar goes, best bit in the whole song. Could have made a whole song out of that. But didn't. What's he doing? It's a good one. Yes. It's a bit Christian rock, isn't it? It is, yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth to quote Meatloaf in a funny way, but um, yeah, that's exactly right. It's just this, it's a bit too, you know, son of a preacher man gospel style for me, but musically, I think this song is a masterpiece. And I don't throw that term around nonchalantly, it's, um, everything just sounds incredible on this song, yeah, sonically. The drums, just the, the way that the reverb is set on them, really nice, solid playing on the guitar, and really kind of the rhythm section really holds it down. The memorable, memorable, sophisticated guitar work on this, especially towards the end, and with all those climaxing notes that he's hitting, and it's just power chord stuff, and, you know, it's, it, it should sound lame, but it doesn't, and and all that kind of stuff is just brilliant, That the little twists and turns it takes in the last two, two and a half minutes or so, but it's just a bit too Hillsong for me, and that's the thing that really spoils it from my point of view. But he, he's obviously um, being genuine, and he's obviously uh, believes in what he's singing about, and it means something to him. And, and I think the video is very representative of what the song's about. If anyone's seen the video, and speaks that really speaks for itself. And um, again, I, I think it's a, an amazing love song. I just I'm a bit like Toe Jam on this. I don't always get into it much. Mm. Um, I find that there's some musical elements and qualities that I really enjoy, but I'm always left with the feeling of, 
Uh, as good as that sounded, I, I I wasn't really with him all the way. You know, it was just just a personal thing, and I guess that's where um <laughs> listener differences come into play. But yeah, that's Holy River for you. And from eight, we go into Holy nine. Moly. Yeah, we go into nine. Track nine. Let's have a baby. I can't wait no more. Let's have a baby. And there's a bit of a theme if you look at some of these songs and the way they've been um, sequenced on this album. There's there's definitely a trend and a pattern to this, I believe. But let's go into track number nine. Let's have a baby. Let's go to Captain. Okay, this song starts with the tick-tock, tick-tock. That's always good start to a song, isn't it? Uh, this is another one. Starts. It's another the, the interesting melody-based ballad. It's got a nice bass work in this song. Mm. I'm not sure who's is doing bass the bass. Is it bass or is it like a keyboard bass? It might be a keyboard. I've it listened to it a like few Ron times. To me. At some times it sounds like Rhonda, and other times it's really like clipped and it sounds like it's a keyboard, so I'm not sure. Yeah. It could be Rhonda just through some processes and stuff, but I don't know. Mm. But it's a nice bass, whoever's doing it. Not to mention the vocals. Vocals are great. And what about the backing vocals on this song, huh? Anyone got that? It's interesting because there isn't any. What are you talking about? There yeah, are no backing vocals on this what, track. What is that? Yeah. What there are that? none. Are you sure about Not that? One. I was listening to it and I'm like, what can I write about this? Um, backing vocals? Um, no, there isn't one in the whole track. And I'm like, wow. That's really that's really weird for a Prince song because every other song on this album pretty much has got background vocals galore. Oh, you're just about to falsify my review then, but I'll let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for a Prince song, it's really strange to not have all these, you know, all the layers. It's just it's just him, just one, just one him. It's weird. Uh, I think this would be a great live track, but it's not really a song that you'd do live. But uh, and it's not likely it'll ever happen. But I think it'd be uh, good. Could you imagine him doing this live? The ladies would just be losing. Oh. Yeah. It'd be like it'd be like how come you don't call me anymore? Something like that. It'd just yeah. be be great live. But yeah, no backing vocals. It's it's weird. Hmm. Go and listen to that. All right. Well, wh- while I brush up on my notes, uh, let's take this to Toe Jam. Yeah, this is kind of the happy version of how come you don't call me anymore. That's kind of a, a sad one. This is the happy one. It's basically just him at a piano, and there's a little bit of bass in there, and. Really nice sort of jazzy chord progression. There's like diminished chords resolving to these nice sort of jazzy six chords, and so that that's what I really like that uh, that respect of it. It just it just seems a bit personal to me. I kind of feel like I'm listening on into something that wasn't really meant for everyone to hear. I don't know. You guys get that? Like it kind of seems like it's very personal. Yeah, it is very personal, and and it I kind of feel like I'm oh it's a bit awkward listening to it in that respect. But I love the music of it. Yeah. And it could be done in some way live. Um, could be interesting to see how he does that. Yeah, it'd be great live, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a whole lot more to say to that. More, more or less, I like the reverb and just the sound of the piano. It's got a sort of unique, nice sort of slightly chorus effect maybe on it. Something sounds nice. And there's some beautiful vocals, some really nice high notes that he's hitting. Um, so, yeah, it's a great performance. Uh, I love everything about the song, really. I just find the lyrics a little bit sort of awkward to listen to. So, yeah, I'll leave it there. All right, player. You guys pretty much covered it. It's another soul ballad that reminds me of How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore. It's all streaked back to just piano, and you have the bass playing random lines here and there. That, and I think that really adds to the track. You could have left, left it as just piano, but that bass really 
brings out the song. I like the song's musical structure. I have a new appreciation of this song whilst reviewing it for this podcast. Because usually I skip this track mainly because you have to be in the mood if you catch my drift to play this song. So, yeah, it's, it's a cool song. Okay. Close this off quickly. I'm slightly embarrassed to um to be talking about background vocals after Captain said that there aren't any. That kind of makes me <laughs> that uh that's a bit odd. But um in fact my notes don't have any reference to background vocals. Unfortunately, I was reading off the next track, which if you look at what it is, it would make oh, a lot more sense. Would make a lot more sense. But yeah, the the fact that you mentioned there aren't any, I never even thought about regardless of the fact that they're not in my notes. And I think, um, not that there's anything particularly amazing about that, but uh, it's something I want to listen to. <laughs> so thanks for letting me know. Uh, sweet. Yeah, it's just a weird thing to hear that, you know, it's just weird that they're not there. Because yeah. you, you notice that now that you know that they're not there, now that you listen to it, you're like, wow, there aren't any. Because, mm. you, you know, Prince songs, you're just so used to hearing them there. Even yeah. if they're minimal, they're always there. Well, yeah, we talk about them so much. It's almost like an automatic response, you know. I'd love to know whether this was recorded like live with him singing and playing the piano at the same time or whether he recorded the piano first and then added the vocal that'd be interesting mm, let us know <laughs> if Give he's us done it live if he's done it live that's pretty amazing I think yeah live one take there you go yeah. I don't know about one take but, <laughs> but yeah that would be that Splice would be from cool. 18 different takes it does sound a little bit like <laughs> the stuff on <laughs> it does sound a little bit like the stuff on One Night Alone Live piano and voice um, but this is a sweet and quite mature, meaningful, very forthright, just wearing its shoulder on its sleeve kind of ballad. Um, but yeah, I agree. Wearing its, its very... shoulder on its sleeve? <laughs> sleeve on its shoulder. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. I'd love to Heart see that. on its sleeve. For God's sake, Rob, wake up. <laughs> MC's losing the plot here. Uh, yeah, it wears its heart on its sleeve ballad. And it's beautiful, lovely piano playing, nice, simple melody. But yeah, it's very personal listening. And um, knowing that, that Prince played this this version of the track to um, Maite following their wedding reception, it just adds more to what we're talking about. You know, it's, it's just such a personal song. Uh, very surprised that it's on this record, on this album. But the bass is sensual. You guys have talked about it. I just think, again, and Captain, slap me if you want, but I have to say it, his vocals are incredible. Um, just runs through his octaves it's so masterful with these little twists and turns impeccable timing this is as good as Nina Simone in her prime Marvin Gaye on his best day and Maxwell you know at at his blistering best this is just an incredible vocal performance and just gives more um, credence to the fact that Prince is an amazing singer while we're on vocals just this album, like, you know, this is 1996, so this is sort of 10 years after his sort of big explosion. And a lot of those early records, like, you know, he's an amazing vocalist, but it's kind of raw. Uh, and so by this stage, you know, the Emancipation album, the vocals, it's almost like he's he's perfected his vocals by this stage. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you. The, the vocals on this and the albums, you know, from this maybe the year or two before, the year or two after, it, is the peak of his vocals, I think, in terms of his just mastery of his, you know, being able to hit yeah. notes and... Uh, yeah, he knows exactly with, how to get what he wants. Yeah, gets the right timbre and the right tone for exactly what he wants. Yeah, and even if you compare, like, if you listen side by side to to his vocals on How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore and Let's Have a Baby, these just are so... The Let's Have a Baby vocals are so much more polished and sure of themselves. Yeah. But I think there's still, there's still a, um, a rawness. You know, it's not like a scratchy vocal, but it, it's it's raw in a in an intense way, I think. But yeah, it's incredible stuff. 
vocals we're on this also, album are a bit are great. We're all saying this song is, you know, intimate and genuine and personal. The lack of backing vocals probably really adds to that. Hmm. I think. Because if there's, you know, ten background vocals, you know, there's ten people standing there. But there's yeah. just him. Is it it it's seems re- like it's direct. Just, yeah. It sounds like it's just him and a piano and a bass player. Yeah. Track number ten, Saviour. I can see me like two bells from I think this is where the NPG come into full effect. Am I right here? Yep. Sounds good. Okay, let's go straight into it. Uh, Let's start off with Player. Saviour is a big rock ballad featuring the original MPG and Ricky P. For me, this song is the yin-yang to the track Dark off the Come album. I think musically they're similar, but lyrically they're the perfect opposites to each other in their subject matter. So try playing Dark and then Saviour back-to-back and see how it plays out. Um, It has a really big production which elevates the mood and tone of the song to new heights. If released as a single, this could potentially have been up there with a track like Diamonds and Pearls commercially, maybe. Yeah. The sentiment is really nice, but it's not something that really gets talked about online much from what I've seen, so... Yeah, I really like it. I think it's a cool song. All right, all right. Captain. This is the big song. And just like Player said, this was, I think this was such a missed opportunity. I think he could have played this live. It would have been the big, the big song. How do you and pull this other... off live, though? This is such a huge uh-huh. arrangement. It is. You could do it. You could do it. With lots of Morris on samples and keyboards. <laughs> um, I reckon this could have been a single. But, you know, there was supposed to be 18 singles, so the chances are this would have been one of them. It's got big major chorus. I love it. You, and you, you've got horns all through this song, but they're oh, not yeah. really out there. They're just they're just there. So, but they're live and, horns. Yeah, yeah. And you've got the big build-up to the guitar solo. That's just great, great stuff. Then you've got the big vocal part after that. That sounds excellent. Talk about vocals. There you go. I love the last minute of this song. It breaks it down to nothing. This funky bass and guitars. And, and then, you, then it starts building up. You've got vocals all over the place. And then it just goes crazy with the big end and the guitar. And, oh, it's crazy. <laughs> this is a great, great song. I reckon that I could say this is my favorite song on this disc, I think. <laughs> and it's a ballad. It's, 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 it's up there. It's, uh, yeah, I suppose it is, isn't it? It's funny Power that you say, it's funny that, you say that n- knowing that this is the only song so far, at least, that um, credits the 95, 96 MPG <laughs> lineup. But yeah. yeah, well, they are a favorite of mine. That could have something to do with it. But I didn't know that actually until you just said it before. So, so it's just it's just the NPG's magic. Now you know where me. that big sound comes from. Oh, they oh they're great, great. Um, it's just crazy. It's great, great, great. Off we go to Toe Jam to get. His thoughts on this? Saviour. Yeah, it is a, an amazing song. I kind of feel that, and potentially this is why it doesn't get as much credit as it maybe deserves, is, is that it's kind of stuck towards the end of disc two of Emancipation. So it's it's sort of lost in there in terms of where it is in the placing. But, you know, something's got to be there, I guess, in such a big album. You um, know, there's always there's always thread. There's always people talking about what's an underrated song. This yeah. is an underrated song. No, I've never seen anyone talk about this. No, neither have I. Yeah. But it's a great track. It is, yeah. The lyrics are good too. It's just, to me, it's like, it's a more in-your-face kind of version of a door. Like that kind of thing, this sort of ballad, but with all this awesome interplay going on all the way through it. And it's a bit more in-your-face, which is good. Uh, In-your-face. 
the MPG <laughs> bring that and all the the bells and whistles and the, the like. I like the way the horns answer the vocals, da, 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 just all this sort of crazy kind of stuff. Um, and the way it builds again, I like the way that there's sort of you know in the verse there's these three chords. And then it goes to the chorus, and it's three different chords, but it's like this big major major chords, just like Captain Mustang. Yeah. So I like the way it sort of changes between the verse and the chorus in that way. I love I love the ending too at four thirty five. Sort of changes and goes a bit darker, and it's got that Larry Grace octave bass thing again, highlighting the chord tones, mm-hmm. which you know you can see with this and Sex in the Summer that that Larry Graham sound. He was also playing a few Larry Graham songs around this era as well. You can almost see that, you know, obviously because they met around this era and you can see his influence starting to enter the fold even more so than it always was. Yeah, there's, there's a bit at 239. It sort of goes into a different direction. I always forget that bit. Uh, it just sort of, sort of sticks out at me and goes, oh, this sort of doesn't sound like the rest of the song. It's a bit of a bridge thing, I guess. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. It's, you guys have got most of it. It's a big song, lots of heavy arrangements. Uh, MPG bring a lot to it. And it's just a shame that it's kind of lost towards the end of this disc in some ways. I think it might be overshadowed by the last track as well, because that, that's the last track, you know, that's the big last track yeah. as well. But and this, this is like third last. This one's more, um, better than uh, Friends. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah, this is, this is to me, the brother or the sister of um, Holy River, which was, what, two songs before this? So many similarities from a compositional point of view between those two songs, to me at least, it's just a huge number. We've, we've all, you guys have all spoken about that. It's so bright and energetic and the harmonies on the vocals are really effective. The tempo changes reminds me of um, Rock and Roll's Alive a little bit. Um, <laughs> a little bit. The structural changes of, of um, Holy River and also, the again, the impassioned vocals of Prince's screams are just incredible here. The way they come through the mix and, and how can you not talk about the MPG lineup? They just take it over the top. It was already an, a, a complete composition in its complete form, but they just really run with it. And from 4 minutes and 30 seconds onwards, the way it builds up emotion and tension and then releases that is absolutely stunning. Prince as a composer, when it comes down to it, has got a handful or a bucket full, depending on your point of view of examples, where he shows and proves as a popular composer that really he's one of the best out there that, that does it, that can really build tension within a song and then resolve it in many different ways. And in here, he just throws everything but the kitchen sink in, I think. It just comes down like thunder. <laughs> and then he's... he's... Oh, oh, what was that thing the player said? You can wash your hands in the sink. <laughs> wash your face in the <laughs> <That's> sink. <right. laughs> and his, his blues scale guitar playing is so incredible in this context you know outside of it it might sound very standard but the way he just plugs that in is really nice a solo with all the other noise and the the horns tear the roof off the sucker in this song this is so much more of a favorite of mine than holy river because the message is is a little bit closer to what i what i can identify with yeah a remarkable this is a remarkable song Again, this, I think, ended up being in my Sydney Opera House playlist somewhere along the lines there, and for good reason. It's an exceptional song, and, you know, when you think about Prince of Purple Rain and Sign of the Times and Diamonds and Pearls and Musicology, and then throw in Saviour, throw in Holy River, throw in, you know, a few songs off this CD, it just really shows how dynamic and how versatile a composer and arranger of, of popular music he is. Well, this is one of the best examples, so that's my thoughts on it. Pretty much my favourite, or one of the favourites of this 
disc. And from there, we go into a little interlude almost, but we'll call it a track. It's track number 11, The Plan. Any the fans of this? The problem with this, the problem with this okay, is, Captain? this is a track from another album. <laughs> so do we even review it? Of course I we review it. It's on it. this album. Yeah. Was it on this album first, though? I think it was. Yes. Yeah. It came out first. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But so. in the liner notes, it clearly says this is from a different album. Yeah. So it's almost like it's almost like a little advert. For it's Kamasutra. an ad. Yeah. Mm. It's an ad. Is this the full track? The, the same as the full track on yeah. the Kama Sutra, or is this yeah. shorter? No. Because it says it does say an excerpt. Oh, it's I might the same just mean an excerpt from the Never album. It's the same track. Well, it's it's so short. It's one forty-seven instrumental track. You know, straight off Kama Sutra, and I'll just take a guess that Toe Jam hates the fake horn sound. <laughs> it's absolutely tragically horrible. Um, it's awful. What it's actually playing is okay, and the key, the the others, key, whatever it is, just before that sounds okay. What it's playing, but the sound of that fake horn is just the worst thing on this album. <laughs> it is awful. It's awful. It's so bad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this has to be most skippable track on this. Oh, show. you're kidding. Anyway, I'll get into my review later. <laughs> oh, is this your favorite track? I have one word for you, Gamilla. Oh. But anyway, it's not my review. <laughs> no, I'm done. That's it. It's, it's, the actual track is okay for an instrumental track. What is being played, the actual music's okay, but the sound of that horn just ruins the whole track for me. I can't right, well, listen to it. Since you name-checked Toejam, I think we should give him the um, the right of response here. Toejam, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, but seeing that he was searching for this like a year ago, almost <laughs> a year ago to the day. What's this? That's right. You were looking for York. this a while ago, weren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 2am. We need Kama Sutra. <laughs> I've only got the plan. I've only got the plan. No. I don't know that anyone out there listening will understand what we're talking about, but there might be a very small bunch of people that will, so... Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Captain. Like musically, there's it's a very nice atmosphere. Uh, it's very kind of sensual and mysterious. And I agree that what the trumpet thing's playing is really cool, but it just sounds a bit geeky on that little MIDI muted trumpet. Oh. Um, How hard said would that, it be Eric well, to play one? Line. Yeah, I was oh. going to say on a trumpet that'd be a pretty hard line to play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think a saxophone would have sounded better on it. Yeah, I think this is kind of skippable, this song. Just pretty much agree with what Captain said. Good music. Uh, I, l- I like it for what it is. I just don't really like that sound. Yeah. Okay. Oh, what's the word? It's good music, but it's, it's, it's a bad actualization of that music. <laughs> just the way he brought it to us just is horrible. I've got to really chime in here and try and save this. I'm not going to praise it to no end, but I will say that, that in between, you know, after The Holy River and a couple of fairly big songs, uh, especially Saviour, this is the perfect... Breather. The perfect breather to put in before another, what I would call a, a fairly full-bodied work, um, which is track number 12. And I think there's something hauntingly beautiful about this little instrumental. Um, I put this compositionally or all, all the musings about you know what whether it's a fake or a, or a real instrument or sound whatever aside I, I put this compositionally on the same level as Gamilla 
which many of you don't like, but I do, Venus de Milo, and a couple of other songs. This is just really new age sounding. It's, it is very hollow and eerie, uh, but it, to me it almost sounds like 20th or 21st century classical music, if that makes any sense. It's, it's kind of forward-looking, like a very, very, very small excerpt from some... Yanni. Yanni. <laughs> Yanni, like the No, it's like a little excerpt from, from a chamber work. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's Ooh. haunting. Wow. But, but, but I love it in this context, in between these two songs, as a breather, as, as a, you know, a very mini movement before we get to track number 12. So I'll just say yeah, that. It, it, fits, it fits between those two, those two tracks pretty well, I'd say. I remember being there. really... This kind of set up the Kama Sutra album, and you think, oh, this is like an excerpt. And if anything, it kind of made me expect more from Kama Sutra. Because, you know, there is a, there's a bit of potential there in this song, and you think, oh, man, a, a whole album like this would be pretty good uh, or interesting, and Kama Sutra is not so much. And then we got, like, the Scissors song. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> That's all I remember off, the, off that album is the Scissors song. So, player, uh, finish this one up for us before we get into track number 12. Uh... You probably won't like me for this, but no. when I get to this song, I always question, why is this even here? And it's probably two reasons. One is filler to get the CD to 60 minutes. The other would be advertising for the Kama Sutra instrumental album. Um, yeah. It's good, but I wouldn't count this as a song on the album. It's just an interlude. And if you got rid of this and some of the car phone talk at the end of Joint to Joint, he would have had enough space to put some of the outtakes that didn't make this album maybe on, on this disc. Oh, but we can't have 13 tracks. Can't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying... Like, take <laughs> take, take the off the plan. Oh, yeah. cut, cut the talk off. You've got enough space there to add in an, one more track. You'd have another something three that, and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, something that ended up on Crystal Ball or New Power Soul or that didn't even make the record at all, they could, that could have been slipped into here. All right. Leading into the closer, the album closer here, track number 12, Friend, Lover, Mother, Sister, Wife. I think that's the order it goes in. start off with toe jam um yeah it's oh. it's <laughs> good start oh yeah <laughs> yeah I, but i don't know when i get to this song in the album i think i'm a bit done with done. it um it's good for what it is it sounds like something that oprah winfrey would love um, <laughs> oprah's book club it seems very tailored to that kind of market to me i don't know uh, the, the best bit is the from four minutes onward. There's like a little acoustic guitar bit. There's probably two or three acoustic guitars playing some little lines, and there's these oohs mm. in the background. That that's really nice. I, I just kind of find it sort of plods along a bit, and it's not as stellar to me as I know some people really love this song. It just doesn't really hit me that much. But it is good for what it is, and you know I'm not going to pay it out too much. It's a good song. Okay, uh, player. I'm with Toe Jam on this. It's a nice song. It's a nice sentiment, but there's nothing memorable about it. It doesn't take it to a door levels, which in the CD booklet and in interviews and publicity for this CD, it kind of alludes to being of that sort of caliber, this song. But for me, it doesn't quite reach that level. So I think, it, and like at 7 minutes 37, I think it just like, it says it like what he needs to say in such a short amount of time that, you know, he just kind of stretches it out a bit too long, but... Hmm. 
Yeah, it is nice, but, uh, you know, it's not something that I see people rave about either online. So I have to agree with you there. I think it's a solid ballad from the heart, written while Maite was sleeping, supposedly. So nice jangly guitar work, simple to the heart lyrics, um, from the heart to the heart, whatever you want to call it. I have to say great production on this song, but then every time I think about saying that, it's actually kind of overdone in another sense, and a lot of the songs on this album uh, suffer from that. I think. Two things, before we get a captain on this. One is, I think it takes a lot of balls to say something like this yeah. from a songwriter's point of view. You know, if you were taking a songwriting 101 class and you were going to call a song by this title or even really write what he's written here, it could come off as pretty trite. It doesn't come off as trite? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't well, know. It is I, slightly, I think. Hmm. Slightly. I don't know. I, I am with you, Tojam, in the fact that I've had it up by this. By the time this song comes on, I think I've heard about as much as I can with regards to the love ballads, you know. Hmm. But yeah, do I think this is genuine? Probably. He's written it to the love of his life. Uh, recorded in secrecy, they say. Maybe it should have remained in secrecy again. It's like a, it's another one of those "Let's Have a Baby" songs, I think, to me. And but you know, big balls to to, to put the word "sister" in this. Tra- I mean, really, when you, just think about it for a second. Yeah. Think about the other song he's got called "Sister" and what happened in that song. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Think about that. Uh, <laughs> Friend, lover, something about stopping the juice, mother, wife. It doesn't sound so <laughs> So, yeah, it's a, it's a love song. It's a love ballad. But God, he's, he's got better examples of this. So, Captain. I think after Saviour and then the plan for a bit of a breather. That was it, wasn't it? <laughs> and after Saviour's done, I'm like, yeah, this, this album's done. That's the big ballad. That's the end. And then you got a bit of a rest and then another big ballad, like, you know, one track apart. I think they're just too close together. For two such, you know, big songs. But yeah, I think Saviour's better than this. But this is still, I think, a good song, even though it's a ballad. I don't really like ballads that much, but this is like a big thing. Right at the start, 10 seconds in, there's this little keyboard thing that's similar to the main riff from Automatic, which no one noticed, I think. It's just a cool, it's, and that's it. And then it's gone. That, that little sound is gone. It doesn't come back anywhere. It's just at the first 10 seconds. And again, this is a really a melody-based, strong melody-based ballad, even though I think this is not as strong as some of the others. And both Toe Jam and MC were saying this song's not trite. Well, I think it's on the borderline. Yeah. I think it could be too syrupy, sugary, but I think it's just on the border of not going there. I think it's just enough. But not too far. It's close. <laughs> it is close, but it's, it's got, got a it's nice got, edge. It's I just think. Great... I just think, considering that we know who he was writing it to, takes that a little bit of that off. But then again, yeah, it's not something you, oh, I want to listen. Yeah, to if, yeah. If you didn't know that it was an actual true sentiment behind it, you could just think, oh, well, this is just a song you wrote for the sake of writing a song about that. I actually but, prefer you know. the Lenny Kravitz song that he, I think, friend, lover, mother, sister, lover, or something, whatever he calls it. I think it's a, it's a much better song than this. I don't know if anyone here has heard it, but mm. it sounds like he's ripped off the title and the sentiment from Prince, but a much raw... the first time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> Captain shakes head at Mr. Kravitz. <laughs> But it's got great vocals, great backing vocals too. Toe Jam said he got nice guitar solos, acoustic guitars, and there's like church bells all through this song. Like not not tubular bells, but actual church bells. It sounds like. It's the wedding. And they're like they're all they're all through it. Yeah, 
the only thing I think there was a song not that long ago that Player said he didn't like to listen to it because it made him sad mm. because of what it was about. This song does that a bit. The last like couple minutes of this song, there's like whispers in the left and the right, like "Please don't ever leave me till death do us part." And I listen to that, and knowing the history, it's just sad. Because mm. if it is really, you know, a genuine song, that's really sad to listen to. It is, yeah. Knowing, you know, what happened after that. So, and then you end with the you end with the waves, which I'm sure signifies something. I don't know. So this is a good song. I don't mind it. And that does it, ladies and gentlemen, folks. The Grand Jury, uh, that's it. Peach and Black Podcast's verdict of Disc 2, Emancipation. I've got, will... got a quick question, though, for you guys. Yes. Yep, yep. Just after this was released, this album, he did that interview on the Today Show, and Brian Gumble said to him, did you want each disc to say something different? And he said, no, he just wanted them to be diverse. But don't you get the impression that this disc is mainly the disc that has, like, it's, it's crammed with all the ballads? It's the yeah. ballads and the love songs. Yeah, which I think he could have taken... Yeah, this three is a bit more upbeat and stuff. Where that's he could the industrial techno mm. sort of yeah. thing, and disc one is I don't know what disc one is. I don't know what disc one is either, but you know, <laughs> it, it kind of. <laughs> but I do get the impression disc that one's you, the the party. I think like it's just mm. sort of cool, party. cool little songs. Yeah, mm. and they kind of they kind of do have like a theme, a mini theme each disc. Whereas the, cause like disc two for me is really sort of ballad heavy. It's not like yeah. you know all ballads, but there's a good. There's chunk. a lot. Yeah. Hmm. What about what about the scandalous sex suite? You've got the crime, the passion, and the rapture. Hmm. Could you look at this album as like there was the the party life, and then you know, then you got married, and then there's the life after that? Hmm, maybe could it be that way? I don't know. Just a guess. Well, according yeah, I, I to think... his answer on the Today Show, you'd think that it's not made that way. But well, I think this this two is clearly my favorite disc. It doesn't have a couple of my favorite songs, but in terms of Albums, if you're looking at it, separate separate albums. Disc two is clearly the the best one, I think, just in terms of its variety and just compositions and vocals, as we've been talking about all the way through. So. And there's no covers. No, not on this one. All on disc one and three. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah. Oh, uh, Soul Sanctuary's co- like a co-write, not a cover. Co-write, yeah. yeah, yeah. That is interesting. No, the covers are only on one and three. Yeah. Hmm. What do you know? <laughs> It's incredible. And if you want to hear more of our rant and rave and appreciation of this diverse collection... Shout-outs. Shout-outs to uh, Sandra St. Victor. And Check 99. Shout-out to Chikatet and love for you for making it a sticky, which I'm sure you will. <laughs> Peterson and his uh, exquisite playing on track number one, Sex in the Summer. Ricky Peterson, yeah. Captain Crunch. <laughs> Captain Crunch with soy milk. Trevor Air. Hands Martin uh, Buff. Oh, yeah, taxi driver. Fraggle Rock, Fraggle Rock. Maggie J, hello to you. Kirky J. <coughs> no relation. <laughs> croaky, Croaky 20. You, you. <laughs> all right, all right. You're going to have to listen to the third episode, which goes into disc number three, Pitch Black Go Deep into Emancipation. Hi, this is Shelby, and you have been listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Further your Peach and Black experience on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as the Peach and Black forums. You can also subscribe to the Peach and Black podcast for free at iTunes. World, stay tuned and stay funky. (laughs) You hear?